Hello and welcome to the Getting Dizzy podcast. My name is Derek Zardis, your host. To all of my new listeners, I'm so happy you found me here. Thanks for coming in and giving me your ear and starting a conversation with me. Now, I have to admit I'm going to hog the conversation for about 20 minutes to 30 minutes today, but I do want this to be a conversation. So if you know me, please send me a message. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. I want to give you more of what you like. And if some of the things I'm saying are helpful, it will definitely be appreciated if you let me know about that. For all of my returning listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back. And thank you so much for all your kind words of encouragement in this past week. They say that a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, but I think it's the next step that's the most difficult. Last week, I sat down and pounded out my first podcast, first take 30 minutes straight through. This week, I had no problem sitting down, but this is probably recording number 12 or 13. I don't know why, but I was just over-scrutinizing myself or I was lacking what I wanted to say to you this week. And then I just sat down and said, these are good friends. These are people who took the time to let me know that they care about what I'm putting out into the world. And so I'm just going to have this conversation with you about that. So today in our podcast, I'm going to start off with four book recommendations, two of which were required reading for my coaching journey. And then if you're just here for the books, you can skedaddle. You get those four books and hear what I have to say about them and you like them. Go off, go read, enjoy. Uh, for the rest of you, if you want to continue listening, I'll be talking about my coaching journey, the things that I worked on this week, and some of the things that were left over from last week. So with no further ado, I'm going to start off with my first book recommendation. And today that is going to be The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Now, this is not a huge book. This is not a tome or an encyclopedia. You will not be overwhelmed with scientific evidence or multiple uh, side notes that you have to look up in the appendix in the back. It is simply a discussion of commitments to yourself. And there are, as the book says, four agreements that you are going to make with yourself so that you can start treating yourself in a manner that is your best self. Now, I have to admit, when I first read this book, I got deeply and heartfelt anger <laughs> that came out of me when I got to the second agreement. Spoiler alert, I'm about to tell you what the second agreement is, which is don't take anything personally. Now, in theory, this commitment doesn't sound all that difficult to do, that there is a limit of somebody saying that um, whatever it is that they've said or done to you, it's not doesn't have to do with you. It has to do more with them. And in theory, I agree with this, but I, I have had people who've purposefully hurt me, who have purposefully done things that were not in my best interest, that were in their best interest, but 
not only were they taking care of themselves, they were kicking me after they, they went by. And it's hard to not take that personally, especially if they make a point of telling you, hey, this is personal. So when I read this, I got deeply angry. And when I looked at that anger, I then realized that I had things that were still unresolved for me. And, uh, and so I started applying to them. And I am by no means perfect on this. And there are still people that when I think of what they did to me, it still adds a level of, I want revenge. <laughs> Does that sound too much like a Sith Lord or something? But I, there's a deeper part of me that says, I'm still not over that. So this is something that I, I work on every day. But this is such a simple book to read, and it could change your life. So The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz is my first recommendation. My second recommendation was inspired by some of uh, the coaching things that I did this week, um, but uh, it wasn't required reading. And I went back and reviewed my notes on it, and it is The Champion's Mind by Jim Afrinov. Uh, Afrinow. And Jim Afrinow is a coach who has coached multiple uh, Olympic champions on overcoming the hurdles to perform their best. And he has this fantastic book where he goes through many little mini lessons on how to improve yourself. Now, you may not want to be an athlete, but I think that a lot of these techniques that he uses applies to being good at whatever it is that you do. And I think one of the things that I took away from this book was the idea of uh, two different kinds of concepts. The idea of um, good, sorry, good bad days. The idea that you have bad days and that you somehow get through them and you learn lessons from them that you apply to other things. So if you didn't have those bad days, you wouldn't be able to make days in the future better. So you've learned a lesson. You've been able to take something away with you. And another thing he calls UBEs, ugly but effective. So if you are sitting down to do something and you're thinking, oh, this is horrible, I need to stop doing this, and it stops you from doing the hard work, from getting the practice out of what you did. So for example, the 12 or 13 recordings I made before I sat down and decided I was just going to have this conversation with you like you were sitting across from me having a cup of tea, then that's counterproductive. So ugly but effective has its uses. It gets the work in. And I apologize if this is not the prettiest podcast that you've listened to. If there are sound quality issues or if you are listening and going, gosh, every time he gasps for breaths, I just want to cringe. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to get it better. I have programs that I'm learning to help edit those things out. But sitting down and churning out this podcast today and having this conversation is part of that process for me. So thank you for being here. Champion's Mind by Jim 
Afrino. I highly recommend it uh, for you to be a champ no matter what you do. Whether it is running like I love to do, whether it's giving a speech, whether it is being the best darn Excel spreadsheet designer on the planet. Okay, the next book is definitely on my required reading, but I had read it a little ways back. It's called The Second Mountain, uh, sorry, The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Now, I have to admit, I picked up this book because I love the cover. It has uh, the multiple mountains layered as if you are driving into Vermont on a spring day where there is so much humidity and greenness and all of a sudden you have those layers of mountains in front of you as you are driving from New Hampshire into Vermont. And I, I love that image. So yes, I picked up this book because of the cover. But the book was an exploration or is an a exploration of success and what success means for everybody. So the first mountain is the success that society tells you to go after. It's the job, it's the income level, it's the house and the car and the family. It's the things that society tells you will make you happy. And the second mountain is the impactful mountain. It's the passion, it's the thing that you're meant to do, it's your calling. Now, I have to admit, I'm, I'm really jealous of the people who know their calling from an early age. They tap into something that says, yes, this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life, whether it's their vocation, whether it's those high school sweethearts who fall in love and realize that I want to be with you for the rest of my life, that the fact that you get that early, I'm a little envious of that. But for me, I am still working on my second mountain. I recognized that happiness alone was not enough, that I needed to push myself, and that pushing myself to be the most impactful person that I could was my second mountain. Uh, there's a large discussion at the beginning of this book that talks about the difference between happiness and joy. And the argument is made that first mountain is really the happiness and that the second, um, the second mountain is the joy. And I'm going to read a quote here about happiness versus joy. Um, joy tends to be self-transcending. Happiness is something you pursue. Joy is something that rises up unexpectedly and sweeps over you. Happiness comes from accomplishments. Joy comes from offering gifts. Happiness fades. We get used to the things that used to make us happy. Joy doesn't fade. So this is a quote directly from uh, the book, and it really resonated with me, especially as I reviewed it this week for, for the mandatory reading that I had. As we start looking for what we want more in life, this was a great book. It starts off with talking about those two mountains, and then it talks about making ooh, commitments, which 
falls back into the four agreements, which those four agreements in that first book are just commitments to ourselves. So he goes at it from a different direction and talks about the committed life in our vocation, in marriage, in faith, and another strong, uh, important factor of my life, community. So The Second Mountain by David Brooks, I highly recommend it, not just for the cover, but also for the great information and view that's on the inside. The last book I'm going to recommend is a book that I've read multiple times, and I've read this author many times, and it is Leadership by John C. Maxwell. For those of you who love reading business books, you've got to be familiar with John C. Maxwell. One of the things I love about him is he usually tells you exactly what he's giving you. So his first two books that I read were The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, that was followed up by The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Um, now, this book is not a number book. It's leadership. Um, but the small print says 11 essential changes every leader must embrace. And I love the play on words, the idea of leadership being a leader shift, that at some point when you take a new leadership position, that you do need to shift your perspective, depending whether it's a new company, whether it's a level of leadership that is new to you, whether it is leadership in a new aspect of your life, there is going to be a shift. And if you are a leader in some way, and you're bored with what you're doing, if you find that you are in this repetitive cycle that it really doesn't give you the joy that it once did, these 11 essential changes might very well be something that can stoke your fire and really get you going and move things forward for you as a leader. Now, some of these are going to be simple things, things that you may have already done, but there are 11 of these shifts and you can kind of pick and choose them. So if you are a leader and you find that you are stuck or you want to be a leader and you can't understand why you can't get that perspective, going to this book and sitting there with the list of 11 shifts and finding just one to see if you can take into your life, whether it's going from a soloist to a conductor, whether it's changing from goals to growth, whether it is even just going from uh, uniformity to team diversity. I remember the first time as a leader that I realized I did not want a team of me. <laughs> For those of you who've worked with me and think, yeah, Derek is great. We love having him on the team. Now imagine having, having a whole team of Derek's that would probably be exhausting for anybody who has ever worked for me. So I really love this book. I love all of John C. Maxwell's uh, books. Uh, it's the one thing that sometimes uh, sticks in my crawl is he does do uh, some religious and biblical references that I find uh, aren't necessarily as helpful for me. Um, but for other people, they absolutely love them. And he also packs it with 50 years of leadership uh, experience and working with leaders in so many different fields that especially as you get here to the later books, um, the biblical references are a little bit smaller and the day-to-day -day practical references to leaders that he has worked has become so much more impactful. So that is Leadership 
Leader Shift by John C. Maxwell. Okay, so now if you are just here for the books, you can skedaddle. Um, but for those of you who are waiting to hear what I said about coaching, I'd like to address some things from last week's uh, podcast. So I want to thank all of the people who took some time to say that they tried these activities. So whether it was just taking that extra thought-enriched breath in your day, uh, which the coaching that I'm going through right now calls Flip the Switch, or whether you were looking at your life as what could be happening at the end of my life if I am being my best self? What does my life look like if I don't rise to the occasion? Um, which was the really scary exercise that I did last week. And then one of the exercises that I did last week on my own was listening to people at my eulogy. Now, I feel that I get a lot of feedback from my friends and loved ones about what they find important about me, but not everybody does that. And in some cases, some people don't like to think about death or the idea that they're asking somebody for a eulogy um, because they died and they've passed away and bringing that kind of sadness into people's life is not necessarily super helpful. So I came across another question to ask yourself or to ask your friends and family and that question was, what is your superpower? Now, if you are not in the habit of hearing this from the people in your life, I think this is kind of a healthy kind of question to ask because it's not putting it into the context of you dying. Uh, it's maybe a little self-serving because you're asking somebody for what is your superpower. So you're asking for somebody to give you a an idea of what they think good about you. As some, one of my friends said, fishing for compliments. Um, but I don't see anything wrong for fishing for compliments, especially if you're not used to getting complimented. Uh, if you are not used to getting complimented and you have people in your life who you know love and care about you, but they have a hard time expressing that, I think this conversation is a good way of approaching it, that somebody could approach it from a humorous standpoint, um, but also it gives people a chance to talk about you in a way that you perhaps have not had a chance to listen. So you could just send this to your closest friends or family and get some great answers. But I put this on my Facebook last week and I have to tell you, it was an incredible experience for me to hear from some people who I have not spoken to in some time. And they took the time out of their day to talk about what they considered a superpower of mine and how it had affected their life. So, and one of my good friends also said, hey, wait a second, this feels as if people are giving you a eulogy, but what a great way of doing it. And so, yes, this was a sidestep exercise to the eulogy, but I, I got a lot out of it because when I think about the things that I think other th people think about me, those are not necessarily the things that they do think about me. 
And on top of that, uh, as I got into some of the activities this week, I realized that some of the things that I think about as naturally who I am, sometimes we take those things for granted and we don't work on them as much as we should. That just because we think we've become an expert or a superhero with that power, if we don't use it, we kind of lose it. So that was an important thing for me to see. And I, I highly encourage you this week to ask your friends and family, what is your superpower? Or if you are so bold to go on whatever social media platform you you use, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or something, and, and ask the people who are connected to you, what is my superpower? And ask them to be honest and detailed. Uh, one of the things I really didn't want them to say was just a one-word answer. And I have to admit, most people came across in spades uh, when, it, uh, when it came to that. So that is just a follow-up from last week's uh, eulogy exercise. This week's exercise was, um, let's talk about the basic daily exercise that we're working on. Last week, it was breathing. And taking that moment to take a nice deep breath of eight seconds in and hold that breath for just a moment and then exhale and bring your best self to that moment. Uh, so that exercise is something that I continued with. But the new exercise for this week was uh, a moment of gratitude. So every day, making sure you take that moment of gratitude. Now, this is something that I think that I probably take for granted because I feel like I express gratitude in my daily life in a number of ways, whether I'm interacting with clients, whether I am interacting with loved ones or uh, texting or messaging with friends. I feel like I always add an element of gratitude but having this kind of focused once a day, this is something you have to do uh, moment of gratitude, I think has its own benefits. And it's funny to me that gratitude is the next exercise that we are working on, but it makes sense that the first exercise would be something as simple as breathing because breath and oxygen and getting the most oxygen we can out of our breath is such an essential activity. Uh, I think on a mental level, gratitude is equally that important to us. The, st the statistics are staggering that just keeping a gratitude journal or log once a day can improve your sleeping by 25%. And if you heard my recommendations from last year of books that I feel you need to read, one of those books was Why We Sleep and the Importance of Sleep and the idea of increasing the benefits of your sleep by 25% just by doing one activity. It's hard to dismiss. Um, aside from that, uh, including gratitude into your life uh, is saying that it improves your optimism by 10%. It increases your health 
by up to 15% uh, with some of the scientific studies that we see that gratitude has this much of an effect on your life. With that in mind, I am going to go over some of the things that they suggested we do as our one-a-day gratitude. Now, it's easy just to sit there and say thank you. And for those of you who were raised in religious households, there was probably a point where you were saying each day, a little prayer of gratitude before you had each meal. So thank you, God, for this food. And to a certain extent, it may have become rote so that it was just words coming out of your mouth and you didn't really take a second to be truly grateful, to feel the gratitude that you had food on your plate when others did not, that you had food that was on your plate that somebody actually made for you that was filled with nutritious food that gave you the essentials that you needed and wasn't just fast food or pizza or uh, something that was just a, a filler or a dessert, but actually was able to improve you in some way. And so as you're doing these gratitude activities, try and make sure that you do them from the heart, that as you are saying, I am grateful or I am thankful, that you are not just saying the words, though if you're doing just that, even that has an impact. But try, if you can, to put that thankfulness coming from your feelings, from your heart, and try and think of what in that moment truly makes you grateful. So I talked about uh, gratitude journaling. So each day this week, I've sat down and written something that um, I'm grateful for. Um, you can also write a gratitude letter. So sending a note or a letter to somebody in that day, it can be just one quick paragraph, something that says, hey, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. You'll notice I started the podcast by thanking you for being here, especially if you're a returning listener, um, but thanking you for being here even if you're a new listener. I, I really feel that in my heart and taking the time to write somebody and put it in words, not just out of your mouth and not just in your head, but on paper or on a digital platform makes a difference. Mealtime gratitude, I just talked about prayer, but sitting there when you're looking at your food and being grateful that you have that food in front of you, that you've taken the time to choose good vegetables or uh, sustenance that will actually improve your life and not pull it away. Um, the idea of being grateful flow. Uh, we, I talked a little bit about the beginning of putting gratitude in your heart instead of just in your mouth. Try and, now this is a little woo, this is a little bit of magic, if you will, in your life. The idea that you're going to imagine your gratitude as a beam of light that's coming from your inner soul or your heart or wherever you feel your emotions and kind of beaming it at somebody else, that you're grateful for that loved one in your life, for that roof over your head, for the refrigerator that is filled with food this week, that you are going to take that energy and kind of beam it at somebody. Once again, I know that's not for everybody, but it's certainly something to give a try. Um, for those people who are having a hard time finding something 
to specifically be grateful in your life. You can just do the thank you mantra. You can spend two or three minutes just saying thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, it kind of reminds me of an old Steve Martin joke where he would come out on stage and he'd be like, hey, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for being here. Thank you, 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 thank now, I know you're sitting there thinking, okay, you just told me to start feeling this more from my heart, but if you really can't find something in your life, maybe after saying thank you, you do recognize that person in the audience, that, that thing that, that makes you happy and that you're glad you have in your life. And that's the next exercise, this idea of gratitude reversal, taking something that you take for granted something that is seems unimportant in your life and giving it gratitude. So for example, I tried this earlier this week, my the pair of jeans that I'm wearing right now. So uh, I have actually gained some weight in the past year, uh, not an inconsequential amount either. And I bought these jeans uh, about halfway through my growth. And as I've continued to put on weight, these beautiful jeans that I am wearing uh, continue to shape to my body uh, and don't make me feel fat and uh, are not wearing in the places that when I've been fat before uh, seem to wear. So all of a sudden, when I started putting gratitude on these jeans, which I wear once a week, twice a week. Uh, it was easy to find things that I was grateful for this simple tool that is in my life. Uh, so those are just some things that I worked on and I thought maybe you would want to try working on them as well. Uh, last but not least, I want to talk about uh, virtues. So one of the goals of doing the eulogy last week was as you thought about what people would think about you at your uh, funeral, when you were listening to the stories, those stories probably encapsulated some kind of virtue. And so if you have people who are telling you what they thought of you, or if you get your feedback from being a superhero, try and narrow their stories down into one virtue and then write those down. And then I'm going to send you to do some homework on a free website. There is uh, a website which is Virtues in Action, and they will help you figure out what are your top virtues. What are your top virtues right now? This is not the top virtues of your entire life. This is a snapshot when you take this survey of who and where you are right now. So the website is viacharacter.org. So V-I-A character, C-H-A-R-A-C-T-E-R.org. And they will ask you to sign up, but there is no cost. And I have to say, after I got my list of virtues, I have not received 
another piece of mail from them. So I don't feel like this is going to add a bunch of spam into your life. Um, you take the survey and then afterwards it tells you your top five virtues. And the goal with this is once you know your top five virtues, that if you're doing something good, well, how can you keep doing that? How can you continue to keep doing those virtues and be better at them and be the best that you can. And if these are the things that people know you for, then this is something that defines you and you should maintain it. And then from here, we're going to go next week to universal virtues. Uh, and we'll probably end up comparing your unique virtues to the universal virtues that when we look at different cultures, different religions, different philosophies, what virtues are, are similar in all of the humanity and all of history that guide people towards a better life. So if you have a chance, you definitely want to go on to uh, the via character.org and do your top five virtues. And I'm going to share with you right now what my top five virtues were from, from that, um, from that. My number one virtue was love. And that made me feel really great because I like to use love as a guidance. When I think of me being my best self, I try and think of how can I fill the gestures or the things that I do or think in my life with love. Now, sometimes I, I fail at that, but that is, is my goal. My second virtue is social interaction. And this was 100% confirmed by the list of uh, comments that I got on my superpower. Uh, over half of the superpower comments had to do with me being charming, Charming, uh, socially interacting with people, making people feel special, connecting with people. So um, it's great that this was number two on my list of current virtues. Number three, love of learning. And here we are, me talking about the learning journey that I am on at the moment and you joining me on that, as well as recommending books that have impacted my learning. Number four is gratitude. Uh, so I'm incredibly happy that uh, the survey said that the work that I've been trying to do with gratitude is still present, that I don't take it for granted, that gratitude is a part of my daily life. And curiosity, that I don't just take the things that people say at their face value, that I am inquisitive, that I ask questions and I make connections from the things that I'm learning. And I really want to do that with you. So if you do this activity this week, please shoot me a message and let me know what you found your top unique uh, virtues to be. Uh, whether it's on Facebook, I am the only Derek Zardis in the world, so you should be able to find me there. Um, if you have my email, send it there. I know that Anchor has a message capability, and I'm always excited to connect to somebody in a new way. So feel free to send a message via Anchor, um, because I would love to hear what your top unique virtues are. And then 
the goal after that is how will you put them into action this week? If you already are known for these five virtues, this is who you are, how are you going to bump that up? How are you going to take that from a level eight or level nine and take it to a 10 this week so that you can feel even better about yourself and the virtuous life that you are trying to lead? So... Uh, that is the podcast for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that I will hear from you in one way or another, whether about your superpower or about your unique virtues um, or what you liked or didn't like about this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. So once again, this is Derek Zardis and this has been Getting Dizzy. And I hope you have a fantastic week.